Thanks for tuning in. I'm Dave Barfield. And I'm Josiah Jones. And this is the Christ Community Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Our pastor, Josiah Jones, is with us today discussing just what the new birth means in John chapter 3. And we'll also get into some thorny territory when it comes to exactly what the gospel is, what it means, and what it is not. Will sparks fly? Maybe so. You'll have to listen to find out. about you folks, but I'm very excited about today's show. Our theologian in residence, just to flatter him a little bit, is going to drill down for some theological oil. Keep telling me more. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> well, I don't want to be dramatic, but uh, right. we are planning to get into some theological weeds here, so everybody put your thinking caps on. You know, Josiah, one time I told John Piper himself to put his thinking cap on. <laughs> I did. It was, it was at a conference, and uh, he looked at me and said, thank you, and <laughs> I didn't realize how stupid I was being. But anyway, folks, keep your thinking caps on because we're going to try and um, dig in deep to some things today. I'm excited about it. And um, we're going to leave no stone unturned. Very good. By the way, folks, yeah. I have not let Dave live that down. There are many times <laughs> yes. I've said, do you want to give us a, a pep talk? <laughs> yeah. Since he he told me about at a gospel coalition mm-hmm. thing, it was he a was conference. Asked yeah, by Piper. Is there anything we need to know beforehand? <laughs> <laughs> and I told him to put his thinking cap on. Yeah. And I, uh, <laughs> oh well, well, you know, some things you never should live down. I guess that's one of them. <laughs> Josiah, why don't you? Uh, so I want to get a rundown of the sermon, a summary. Um, but you know, we give us a give us a, kind of a ten thousand foot view of where we are. I mean, it's been a few weeks since you've been able to preach. Uh, due to various things, the quarantine and then missions conference. Um, you know, what's the sermon series? Where are we? What's going on? Just bring people back up to speed. Yes, it did seem like an eternity um, <laughs> since I had preached. And the trick was, Jen was trying to remind me, don't try to preach three sermons in one. So, okay, <laughs> okay. Did you um, succeed? I did it one and a half. <laughs> one and a half, okay, okay. So, um, yeah, we're in this series in the Gospel of John, beholding mm-hmm. his glory. John uh, wants us to behold the glory of Jesus because if we see him in his glory, uh, we will trust him and and will be conformed to his likeness. So that's where beholding his glory. Um, John, we spent some time during Advent in the prologue, what I call the trailer to the movie, and then we jump into the the trailer, and uh, as we uh, first looking at John and his own witness to uh, mm-hmm. Jesus, and then um, looking at Jesus beginning with the first uh, miracle turning mm-hmm. water into wine, and then his cleansing uh, or mm. clearing out uh, the temple, really John wanting us to see that Jesus is the true and better temple mm-hmm. uh, by which we can know God <clears throat> and the temple in which the true and better sacrifice was offered mm-hmm. by the true and better son of David. Mm-hmm. So we're be, as the more we're seeing and beholding uh, his glory, um, the more uh, our lives are transformed. So the question then, this past Sunday, um, uh, uh, what we 
what we started looking at, though, is the need for the work of the Spirit. If we're really to mm-hmm. behold Jesus for who he is, receive him for who he is, mm-hmm. and for um, us to have a faith that's more than what John talks about the, at the end of chapter 2, a, a kind of faith where people saw the signs that Jesus had done. So they saw evidence in his life that he was more than just mm-hmm. an ordinary teacher, and yet John tells us that Jesus didn't entrust himself to them because uh, he could see what was in man. Right. And so there's a kind of response where you may even believe many of the right things mm. and do many of the right things and yet not have a life, a, a true saving relationship with right. Christ. So then this last Sunday we were in chapter 3 in particular. Yes. And uh, so give us the summary of, of where we were in chapter 3. Well, I titled the message, Religion is Not Enough, mm-hmm. because John ends chapter 2 with showing this faith that's not flowing from a heart that's made alive. So what's needed is uh, the new birth, um, which I sought to unpack by showing the necessity of the new birth. So in other words, having the right beliefs in themselves and even right and good behaviors is not enough. You must be, Jesus says, born again to see the kingdom of God and to enter it, to experience life in 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 Christ's kingdom, which uh, has been inaugurated in uh, through His life, death, and resurrection, and awaits the consummation. So, you must be born from above, and I tried to show. Um, then uh, not only the necessity, but also the nature of the new birth. Um, it's, it's a work of the Spirit. So in verse 6, where he talks about that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. Um, but also this work of the Spirit involves uh, being born of water and spirit, which I tr- tried to explain, I believe, uh, points to it's a birth in which we're cleansed of the defilement of sin by the work of the Holy Spirit applying the death of Christ, and also we're made new creations, born of water and spirit. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, <clears throat> and in fact, you're, you're the teacher and you don't understand this, um, pointing to the fact that if, if Nicodemus really understood what God had promised would come through the Messiah, then he'd recognize the need for this new birth, this born of water and spirit, which involves both cleansing and new creation, new life, a new nature. And so sought to argue, and of course, a majority of scholars agree that what Jesus was alluding to, what was promised in Ezekiel chapter 36, and we read in particular verses 25 and um, following, where God was promising uh, to that what he was going to do for his people who were separated from him and in exile and out of relationship was he was going to cleanse them from their idolatry and give them a new heart, with a, a new spirit, a new nature, uh, and that uh, uh, he would take out that heart of stone, replace it with a heart of flesh, cause them uh, and give them his spirit to dwell within them so that it caused them to walk in his ways. Hmm. So... Um, and if you look at that passage um, more closely, you see 
that they'll then be grieved by their sin, so mm-hmm. there'll be godly sorrow, repentance, but then there'll also be new life that's flowing out of this um, this new nature that now delights to to um, to uh, delights in God and in His ways. So, so you say religion is not enough. Yeah, but that's not to say that we shouldn't be doing religious things. At least. You know, okay, so think of it this way. Uh, religion gets a bad name these days. People right, are all about right. Christianity is not about religion. It's about a relationship. Okay, fine. I'll, 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 I'll uh, concede that point, right? <laughs> but if we have true religion before the Father, yes, will we not start doing some religious-type things? Yes, we will. And uh, so, for example, of course, um, we use words differently, mm-hmm. and so usually – when people think about religion, they're thinking about what – sometimes we even define dis, – make the distinction between religion and the gospel. And we're talking about man-made religion where it's about what we do, do, do in order to be accepted, whereas the gospel is about what's been done, and we do what we do because of what's been done mm-hmm. and because we are accepted. But, of course, the scripture can use the term in that positive way, which you alluded to, where James talks about pure and undefiled religion. So yes, it it does lead to actions that are both Godward and uh, uh, man and woman word, if you will, <laughs> both mm-hmm. vertical and um, horizontal uh, ways of thinking and living. But... Um, the difference is you can do – you can believe a, a certain set of doctrines and do a certain of uh, religious practices and a moral behavior uh, uh, in in the flesh in order to please God, or you can do it because, um, because of what God has done uh, in you by the Spirit uh, through, through the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so um, – if you are trying to do what you do in order to be accepted by God, uh, that kind of religion is crushing, mm-hmm. and it it also is a dead end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of religion is from a heart of stone, right? A yes. heart of stone can yes. do some good things. Yes. A heart of stone can rattle off some right doctrines. Yes. But being a new creation doesn't prevent us from doing good things. It's not that we don't have to do good things now, right? We have to do religious things now that we have been uh, born again or born from above in John 3. And so it's not like the new birth is like, okay, good, I'm in. Now I don't have to worry about this whole justification thing as far as – or sorry, the sanctification thing as far as doing good works, doing religious-type deeds. In fact, we'll see in the rest of the New Testament (laughs) elsewhere that um, those things that we do as Christians demonstrate – Absolutely. Our justification. Yes, yes. And that's, um, you know, one of the key passages that shows um, that is Ephesians 2, mm-hmm. you know, verses 8 through 10. We often refer to uh, verse 8, which points out uh, the wonder of justification, that by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's not a result of works so that no one can boast. Um, uh and then he goes on to say, for, just after he says it's not of works, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus 
for good works, mm-hmm. which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. So it's you've you've been saved by grace through faith, and even the faith itself is a gift of God. And mm-hmm. we, if we connect some dots, even earlier in Ephesians two, it's it's a gift that He gives. Uh, it, it, through regeneration, the Spirit's making us alive together with Christ, granting us eyes to see Jesus for who he is and trust in him. Mm-hmm. So there's a connection even in that passage with John 3, the new birth. Um, but with that gift of faith, and then we receive uh, the righteousness of Christ, we're justified, we're declared righteous because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we've done. That same Spirit who granted the faith... Um, makes us a new creation. We're mm-hmm. his workmanship, his poema, sometimes, you know, like his... Some his say, doings. His yeah. doings, mm-hmm. yes. His works, yeah. His craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And so it leads to, then, good works, or right. religion in the right sense mm-hmm. that's flowing from what God has done in us is working out what God has worked in by the work of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. I love to look backwards throughout the text of Scripture and 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 see illustrations of these theological things, right? Because some of us like to think theologically and 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 understand or reason our way to the new birth theologically, and then some of us like to look back historically and see examples of this happening. And that's one reason I, I'm always trying to map these things onto Israel and trying to see, okay, well, how did this happen to Israel and well, what did it look like, you know, in time and space? And I'm thinking back to the Exodus, right? There's the Exodus where God, in essence, created. He had a new creation in Israel, and then they, they were set out into uh, towards the promised land, and uh, failed tests to get there because they, their hearts were not yet circumcised. Right? They still have a heart yes, of stone. Right? So yes. I'm kind of mudding the waters a little bit. And then they wandered around the wilderness, proving that they were not actually <laughs> believing in God at the time. Right? Yes, so there's this, yes. there's that um, that heart of stone that they had. And even though they were a new creation, as in the sense of the physical, you know, a nation state at the time, um, they still needed something to be done to their hearts. So, um, historically speaking, we know that this this is true, uh, and so then we can kind of illustrate illustrate it uh, as far as the new creation in our lives, right? So. If we have had our own exodus, in other words, God has brought us out of darkness and made us um, uh, a new creation, uh, then when we are sent these series of tests or trials, what will come out is things that a new creation does, the works, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and the good deeds that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's this kind of a looking back, okay, here's what happened to Israel. Okay, here's what happened to me. Oh, here's what happened in the text of Scripture, theologically speaking, uh, that I find to be helpful. Um, and then, and, and all that to say, there are some tests that we go through yes. that show our faith. Absolutely. Right? I mean, and this is where John goes later in, in, in his epistles. Yes. Um, not just in the book of John, or not the book of John, but later in the, his epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And in particular, 1st John has a series of these types of tests. So why don't you yes. run, run those by us? Yes. So I mentioned briefly in the, in the sermon that the the first epistle of John was written, he tells us, so that you may know you have eternal life. So his concern is that people would have an assurance that's grounded in uh, reality, in the saving work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so 
he provides, and this uh, I'm not coming up with this. I'm the, many have recognized. This. Oh yeah, he provides three primary tests. Now they're repeated in different ways throughout his first letter, his first epistle. The first is has been referred to some as the doctrinal test. Mm-hmm. So even when he's talking about walking in the light, and he'll talk about it, it's in the light of the truth of the gospel that we're sinners, we cannot save ourselves, that uh, what what God has done for us is what makes us acceptable to God. And he's, So there's a doctrinal test. Mm-hmm. Do you believe the truth about Jesus, that he's come in the flesh, and that what he's done is a provision for eternal life? So it's a doctrinal test, but he doesn't stop there. He also gives a moral test. And he, here's there's such... <clears throat> um, in the in the in the in the first epistle of John, he'll make sure that the moral test is not perfectionism. So he'll flat out say, mm-hmm. "I write these things so you don't sin." But if you do sin, we have an advocate right. as a father, and he says, "Oh, by the way, if you say you have no sin, you lie. The truth's <laughs> not in you. Yeah. You really don't get the gospel." It's easy to get your head spinning. Yeah, yeah. There. right. So, right. but he'll go on to say, "If we're one of the tests we're born of God is we don't go on practice." We're not comfortable, so I'm putting mm-hmm. it my own words. Sure. Uh, we're not comfortable with our sin because this God's seed abides within us. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is within us and so convicts of sin. And we know experientially and from uh, the, the lives of saints of God that people who are truly born from above can, and, and our confession will convey, convey this as too, uh, can for a season walk in uh in habitual sin, uh, uh, but here's here is um, John's uh, John's point: when the seed of God abides within, the Spirit of God convicts of sin. Mm-hmm. It's not; it's no longer who we are. We've been made new creations, and so there is a reality of indwelling sin, remaining corruption. Mm-hmm. But that's what leads to there being a, a struggle. A real struggle, a real battle with sin. Right, because elsewhere, whom the Father loves, he chastens, right? Yes. So if we had nothing nothing wrong, we wouldn't have, had, have any need for chastening, right? So there, yeah. to some extent, even the Father's chastening, it, you know, you could be interpreted via John's eyes as an assurance. It's a, yes. It's a way of, of, oh, I am loved by the Father. He's he's correcting me. That is, in, in Hebrews mm-hmm. chapter uh, 12, that is his mm-hmm. thing. This, hey, if, if you're... Um, uh, in sin, you're you're just uh, living it up in sin, and there's no correction. You should be concerned. Should be concerned because whom yep. the Father loves, mm-hmm. He chastens. It's it's the the people uh, who are not chastened that He talks about, uh, who are the language that the old King James that I remember that they're <laughs> bastard, right? Illegitimate. They're yeah. illegitimate. Um, so. Um, it, it, Another passage that that kind of parallels this in, in the Apostle Paul's writing is Romans chapter eight. So it's it's interesting in Romans chapter eight, where he, um, particularly in a famous verse that one of John Owen's books was based off of, uh, and I think it's verse thirteen of Romans chapter eight, where he talks about if by the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body, we'll live, mm-hmm. and so. Owen famously said, you better be killing sin or mm-hmm. sin will be killing you. So there's this imperative to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Well, you go on to read um, where uh, Paul will talk about for those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times we, um, Christians take that 
passage and just disconnect it from from the context. And so it's like um, if you have, you know, if if the Lord's told you who to marry, where you to go. Warm fuzzies about if you things, feel warm fuzzies about things. you feel warm fuzzies or the Lord yeah. showed you where to go to eat for lunch or whatever, <laughs> then you're sons of God because you got – but that's not what John – or what Paul is saying mm-hmm. in context. He's saying if you are led by the Spirit in battle against your sin, it's a confirmation that you're a son of God. Mm-hmm. That's the four in, in verse 14. It's hearkening back to – if by the Spirit we put to death that these body will live. In other words, the Holy Spirit wants us to look like Jesus. And so when the Spirit convicts of sin and stirs us to put to death, to, to, to struggle with sin, mm-hmm. with the remaining corruption that's within us, it's one of, it's a powerful evidence that there's a genuine work of grace in our hearts. Which is what John was trying to get at. Yes. Right? Okay, so yes. We, let's circle back. We've got the doctrinal test, <clears throat> believe the right things. Yes. The moral test, doing the right things or not doing yeah. the wrong things. Yeah. Third one. What's that? And that is, Tim Keller refers to as the social test. So in John's gospel or epistle, flowing from what Jesus taught and he records in his gospel, if you love me, then you, or, or, um, that this is how they'll know you're my disciples, that you love one another, John will go on to explain that if we've been born of God, then we're going to love our brothers. And mm-hmm. then you'll say, well, how can we say we love God if we don't, whom we cannot see if we don't love our brother whom we can see? So this this is why I, I, I talked about sometimes we we have a reduction, a reductionistic view of the gospel. And I know I need to be careful here because what I'm saying could be taken in the wrong way. But sometimes, for example, the good news is reduced to justification Mm -hmm. so that um, I am declared righteous in Jesus' sight, not because of what I've done, but because because of what Jesus has done, my sin imputed to Christ and Christ's righteousness imputed to me. I'm using more theological terms. We have more theological group here. Mm -hmm. So, and that is... The gospel, and I, my response is that's the heart of the gospel. That's glorious news, and you have to get that right, or you get everything else wrong. Mm-hmm. The sine qua non. Yes, there you go. Without which, not, nothing. Yes, but it's not the whole of the gospel. Mm-hmm. The whole of the gospel is what God has done uh, and promised to do in order to enable us to know and enjoy Him forever. So, first, He uh, declares us righteous. Um, because of the righteousness of Christ, not our own, but he also then, by the work of the Spirit, makes us new creations. That's part mm-hmm. of the good news. Um, the justification gives us the right to be sons of God. This work of regeneration enables us to actually, uh, um, one, uh, meet the requirement of faith, because in the new birth, Faith is granted, but also it enables us to actually enjoy a mm-hmm. relationship with God mm-hmm. and by the work of the Spirit prepare us so that we could actually enjoy living in God's presence in relationship with him forever. Right. Um, and then the other part of the gospel is he's not only then brought us into relationship with himself, with God as our Father, 
and made us new creations so that we now know and love him, but also he's brought us into his family. Mm-hmm. And so that's why that third test, mm-hmm. that when there's this new nature, uh, our love for God spills over to our love for mm-hmm. his family, so for one another, mm-hmm. a unique and special kind of love. Yeah, so, yeah. so to kind of, I don't know, to rephrase it, how how do you feel about the body? How do you feel about the church? You know, feel is such a wrong word, but you get the idea. Do yeah. you love the church? What does that look like? What what do you think? I mean, you're a pastor, so you're kind of partial. You've got some answers, right? But what does it look like when someone loves the body of Christ? Well, par, par, I mean, part of it is you enjoy having fellowship with other believers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that, that I know that experientially. Mm-hmm. But I've also seen it that there's something – you can meet somebody who's a, a follower of Jesus who's not even from your area, right. but you have this connection. Just a bond. Mm-hmm. Because you're one in Christ. You have the most important thing in common. Yeah. Your Savior and your Father, mm-hmm. and you're going to spend eternity with – So Yeah, see, see, you in the, see you later. Yeah. When I see you later, you know, I might never see you again on earth, but I'll see you – but, you know, but if you think about this, the new earth, yeah. first Peter makes a big deal out of this, and he connects it to the new birth. Mm-hmm. So you talked about tests through trial. Peter connects that. Yeah. And first part, he says, we've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, right? And then he talks about our faith tested. So actually, when we go through trial and still love and trust in Jesus, that's an evidence. Hey, there's real life. This was a work of the Spirit, right? He'll go on to say... And command us to love. By the way, he'll provide the moral test too. That, that <laughs> where mm-hmm. he talks about um, how God's called us to ho- to be holy mm-hmm. as as His beloved children. But the, the social test in First Peter, um, he'll tell us that as those who've been born again, we're to love one another um, deeply from uh, with a sincere um, uh, love. Now, obviously. Um, uh, the reason why there's an exhortation is uh, because s- sometimes uh, as, as Christians, for different reasons, uh, th- there's sin that needs to be addressed and corrected, mm-hmm. um, and those and the Spirit of God uses that to remind us who we are and uh, uh, to equip us and empower us to live in accordance with who we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. But. And this, the, so Peter, okay, check that box. John, check that box. These aren't just two rogue apostles, right? I mean, this is also what the Apostle Paul was saying, you know, in, in um, uh, First Corinthians. Uh, Examine yourselves, see whether you're in the faith, te- faith, test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail, you failed to meet the test. I mean, this is all across the pages of Scripture. Yes. And um, it's easy to get waylaid here because we, you know, I don't know if we're just prone to thinking of tests in a negative way, but these are actually hopeful things as well. Yeah, they're warnings, right? Because yeah. indeed we could fail the tests. But when we pass the test by God's grace, how awesome is that? What grounds of assurance and hope and peace can settle in our souls because of because of the tests in God's word? Definitely. That, that, that's why I, I think that's the connection with how tests can actually lead to deeper joy that's kind of spelled out in First Peter. Mm-hmm. So I uh, agree, Paul, uh, is throughout Paul, 
by the way, Paul will frequently say, "Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived." Right. And and then he'll because he'll talk about it. which is assuming you could be deceived. Yes. Yeah. That you could say, "Oh yeah, I believe uh, in it. Jesus," yeah. but then your life under, undermines that, and he's saying, "Be careful not to be deceived, because where there's true faith, there'll be the fruit of faith." Mm-hmm. But um, you're right; it's more than just warning. It's also undergirding it is a wonderful assurance. Which is why often uh, people, when they go through tests and they see a supernatural work of grace to trust God in the midst of tests, is God, this is your work. Mm -hmm. This is genuine. And that's, you know, first Peter, the passage I mentioned, but didn't. He talks about we rejoice, though now, if necessary, for a little while, we've been tested by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith Mm -hmm. not just your faith but the tested genuineness Mm -hmm. of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of jesus it's it's not just faith it's tested Mm -hmm. genuineness of faith peter's saying you need to this leads to greater joy which is why he'll go on to say though you do not See him, you love him, though you do not now, though you have not seen him, you love him, though you do not now see him, you believe in him mm-hmm. and rejoice with joy mm-hmm. that's inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation mm-hmm. of your soul. So, um, it's really it's, about joy. I, I yeah. mean, it's, it's God, God is doing these things for our joy, right? It's for his glory and for our good, it's another way of saying it, but you know, to love God and enjoy him forever. I mean, the. The peace and the satisfaction that comes from these tests is a sense of calm joy that is supernatural. Um, and uh, and as far as a warning goes, I'm thinking of what Sinclair Ferguson said, I think it was in his book, The Whole Christ, uh, a disobedient Christian has no grounds for assurance, right? There's no like yeah. reason why just because I checked the box on a card or I raised my hand or said a prayer that we should have grounds for assurance, but then the flip side of that is an obedient Christian who can have assurance. And it's not based on – again, we're getting back to justification. It's yeah. not based on those works. But when you see the fruit in accordance with these texts – texts, it's hard, it's hard to say um, – then you can have this peace and joy, this assurance that God wants to give. Yes, and it's a beautiful thing. God, yes, changes our status. Mm-hmm. We're adopted children of God, right. beloved by him. But he also is at work then to form us into the image of Christ so that we will become who we are in Christ, mm-hmm. so yeah. that we will look like him and be fitted to know and enjoy him as we were intended. Mm-hmm. That's the gospel awesome. is glorious. Amen. Well, thanks for that. Not too many theological sparks today. My mind was going <laughs> to some other places, uh, but no, maybe we'll talk about those at another time. But that was good. Thanks, Josiah. Very good. Well, we've gone a little bit long, so why don't we just close in prayer? Josiah, would you briefly close us in prayer? I would be glad to. Let's pray. Father, the gospel of your son Jesus is glorious. Uh, You made him who knew no sin become sin so that we who are in him might become the righteousness um, of God. We thank you for 
the gift of perfect righteousness in Jesus, whereby we are forgiven, we are accepted as righteous in your sight, and we are adopted into your family, uh, not because of anything done by us, but solely because of what has been done by Jesus. Hmm. And we thank you that you don't stop there. Uh, you also have uh, chosen to work to make us new creations. You have given us your Holy Spirit uh, to not only grant repentance and faith in Christ, but then to do that work of making us like Christ. Um, and so that we get to share in his likeness and have a, a, a real and vibrant relationship with the God of the universe. Thank you that you've brought us into your family. Lord, these are amazing realities. They're more than just uh, doctrines that we check off. They are realities that um, have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for what you have done. And Holy Spirit, we bless your name that you have come to apply to us all that the Lord Jesus has uh, accomplished for us. I pray that you would be at work in each of our hearts. Uh, yes, that we would hear the warnings, but more than that, that our assurance would be deepened and would be sweet as we see the reality. You've enabled us to believe in Jesus and trust him and his righteousness alone. And you are fashioning us into his likeness. May that more and more be the case so that the world will see um, the reality of the uh, life-transforming work of your spirit, that there's something real. Um, and God, I pray for perhaps some who might be listening who are struggling with assurance um, I pray that you would meet them where they are. I pray that you would be revealing more of yourself, Christ, and that as they see you, there would be a transforming work of your Holy Spirit uh, that would lead to a, a deep faith in you, but also a, a change of thinking, a change of affections, uh, and, and a change of actions that, uh, that do reflect um, the new birth. Um, and Lord, I pray that there would be such a sweet love and communion uh, between your people that, um, Lord, we, uh, Jesus, as you said, they'll know you're my disciples uh, by your love for one another. I pray that there, there would be increasing love uh, for your people that puts on display the reality uh, of the gospel that we have been loved by you. We pray this in your matchless name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed today's show, we invite you to share it with family and friends. To learn more about our church, visit us online at ChristCommunityCarmel.org. And if you're in the Indianapolis area, we'd love to have you visit us on a Sunday morning. And of course, join us again next week for the Christ Community Podcast. Until then, the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Amen. And God bless. <laughs>